Welcome back to Emism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. The spring 2021 semester is now winding down finally, um, and I have a ton of philosophy to talk about. Um, That's because I'm writing a lot of final papers and cram reading the last few texts um, that I have to, but I'm still having awesome discussions with my classmates and professors. So right in the mood of finals, um, today on the podcast, I'll be talking about my final paper for my Augustine Antiquity class. Um, in my thesis paper, I'm looking to answer the question, is Augustine, the prodigal son, the archetype of the human condition? And obviously that's a loaded question. Um, I even I asked my professor, Dr. Camacho, for advice, um, and he said, you know, to answer it, I need to do three very specific things. I need to show that Augustine first identifies himself with the prodigal son, then I need to make the broader claim of what the prodigal son parable suggests for the human condition, um, whatever the human condition is, um, and then from Augustine's own philosophical reworking, what is uh, what the prodigal son connection to the human condition illuminates. And then if if that wasn't complicated enough, I will have to demonstrate that this is intrinsic to human nature and why it seems inevitable that we take the root of the prodigal son. So, obviously upon receiving this advice, I had many self-doubts about reviewing the syntax of my argument and how I'd even go about doing that, and then I questioned my major. I'm I'm just kidding. I would never question my major, but... (laughs) This is going to be tough, um, but I have faith, and then I know my boy Augustine and his writings will pull through for me. Also, side note, um, I talked about the underdog empathy and why there's so much rejoice that occurs in the rise after the fall, I think, two episodes ago. So, um, this will kind of build off of that as an extension, um, and in addition to me going through the argumentation of Augustine being the prodigal son, I'll be talking about how to argue these things. Um, because arguing philosophy and writing a, a cogent, he, coherent argument is a whole battle in itself, and it is quite the learning process, might I add. Writing philosophy is difficult, and for a lot of students, um, the way in which we go about writing it and respectively holding a contention is an unprecedented experience. So I I guess I'll pass on some of my wisdom, um, if you might call it that, um, on to you guys. So what I've taken is that with philosophy, the trap a lot of people fall into is that they feel pressured to use fancy sounding language and fail to back it up because it's just kind of hard to understand. Um, A good exercise, at least for me, and something that my first semester philosophy teacher told me was talking out the argument idea by idea in conversational terms just to get the gist of what you're arguing how you're arguing it in quote-unquote normal terms and isn't a podcast great for this and yeah I'll, i'll try to keep it entertaining too though it's definitely not as entertaining as last week with um tj so back to augustine the prodigal son maybe if i end up proving it um but I'll make it really easy for you at first um, to at least get on the bag bandwagon that 
Augustine identifies himself with the prodigal son. Um, in book four, Augustine says, and I quote, um, and so his brilliance turned more to my destruction than to my profit, because I labored to secure so good a portion of my substance in my own power, and instead of preserving my strength for you, God, I went away from you into a far country to waste my substance. Oh, so, also, before I go into analyzing, um, I realize some people listening don't know the parable of the prodigal son. So basically, there's a son who asked for his share of the estate from his father. And there's another son, and he didn't ask for the estate. He stayed with his father. But the prodigal son strayed away from home and spent all his money. The prodigal son had to come back to go, like, to his father. And instead of his father reprimanding him, I don't know if that's the right word, totally dismissing him, unowning him, the father actually rejoiced over his son's return. And the other son, the loyal son that was loyal the entire life um was confused because he didn't get rejoiced over he didn't get a celebration the the fattened calf didn't get slain for him um but he did for the prodigal son so i guess i'm arguing that the prodigal son narrative is that which is natural and inevitable to our human condition and that augustine as a prodigal son is the archetype of the human condition again all right, so now that we got that straight, let's go back to what I just said. Augustine says that he was labored to be secure, so good a portion of his substance, and then, dot, 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 went away from God into a far country to waste his substance. This is exactly what the prodigal son did. He took a portion of his wealth, substance, and the, this portion of wealth in Augustine's case would be, I think, his study of rhetoric and, you know, sophistry might i say um and with that wealth the prodigal son fled his father which obviously in augustine's case is the forgetfulness of god and then in the end the prodigal son and augustine came back to their respective fathers which suggests that ultimately even though there is sin and struggle the virtue in finding a home with the father is still attainable and this is just one way i could point to this but there are other ways too um that i could say that Augustine's is identifying himself with the prodigal son or even just draw enough parallels that make my claim evident um just to say one uh timeline wise and super apparent he fled his faithful and devoted mother monica's care um to indulge in rhetoric low-key sophistry but i don't know like allowed to say that he never like says he's a sophist but like mm, i don't know okay and submit to carnal desire and then when he gets his heart broken and just felt bewildered, he came back to his mother and with that found faith and ultimate resting in God. She celebrated too. Um, the most joyful part about that ultimate rest and celebration after his little prodigal son venture was right at the end of it before Monica died. Both converted son, Augustine, and devoted mother, Monica, shared a vision at Ostia. Um... For those of you who don't know, the vision at Ostia is a um, is an account of spiritual ascent, coming closer to God and participating in a sort of quote unquote encounter with the divine, bringing closer to the divine. And this vin- this vision at Ostia shared with his mother, and also Augustine's tole lege um, and cry experiences immediately post conversion in the garden are quite literally the best celebration you could ever really dream of they both just brought him closer to god and more deep into spirituality um 
the celebration is also shown in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 2. Um, to just quote it exactly, it says that the father exclaimed, Let's have a, have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And then right before that, when the prodigal son came home, he threw his arms around him and kissed him. You don't have to dig too deep into the confessions to find a passage just like that for very long. And the embrace and celebration is quite literally what God did for Augustine. To celebrate his founding again, his rebirth, he welcomed him into his arms and embraced him. This embrace can be linked back to finding a place for his restless heart. You know, Augustine's famous restless heart until it rests in you, God. Finally, Augustine's heart is at rest. No more tired trying to keep morality while straying far from what is in fact the most moral. Um, also, I promise this is the last bit of stuff in the first string of my argument, but in the parable, the, the son says to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer t- worthy to be called your son. And literally every book of the confessions where we see an episode of prodigal sonness, we get an explicit confection of wrongs from Augustine. Like the prodigal son, he recognizes that he strayed away from God and sinned greatly. And what's more is that he felt so bad, he wrote an entire book about it. Um, all right, so that's the real brief and unspecific overview of why I think Augustine is and how he identifies with the prodigal son. Um, now I'm on to talking about what the prodigal son parable suggests for the human condition, or rather what it illuminates in Augustine's own philosophical reworking about what it means to be human. That's no small task, so let me first take a stab at this. Um, Augustine, throughout his work, struggles with understanding that although the temporal is not God and will never be perfect, the temporal is still good in itself. Um, temporal things are fallible and prone to not being perfect because perfection isn't really the motto of the temporal. Um, it's not really what it means to be temporal. What it means to be human to Augustine is that we go about a journey in the world and are in a constant learning process of how to orient our desires and sense of being really to the eternal and act in a way that represents that relationship. Um, Augustine's Confessions iterates this view um, from his logging of his many sins to what he learned from those and then the weird hinge books of 10 to the end, how those experiences translate to greater philosophy and whateverness. Um, I, lo- I lack the words to describe them at this moment, but hopefully that'll come by the time I write my essay. Um, also, in a more metaphysical sense, Augustine thinks that the humans are the uniting of a body and a soul and the soul is the ruling part. With that, his sense of self and basically his immaterial soul are his relation to God. More directly, Augustine conveys that his sense of self is both in his recognition of God's love and also in his response to it. This sense is achieved through self-presentation, then self-realization. And this is demonstrated in the prodigal son journey. Um, but the, the ultimate goal for Augustine would be then to find God's love, which is the only way to achieve inner peace, uh, which plays into the prodigal son narrative, helping my thesis out. Um, so what does the prodigal son parable suggest for the human condition with Augustine's view in the back of our minds of what it means to be human then? Um, 
assuming we're all indeed the prodigal son, the narrative would suggest that we are all given the choice to choose the eternal or the temporal, and all initially choose the temporal. Um, But then at some point, we come to our senses and are able to rejoice in the eternal. With this ending, we would all eventually need to, quote-unquote, find our father, which is an interesting point. I think that um, not all humans are like Augustine, where we satisfy the prodigal son narrative in our lifetime. Um, So that might be um, not in our lifetime, which is something to think about. And I don't know, I'll have to elaborate on this later. (laughs) And um, after this, um, the final question of the thesis of why we should think the prodigal son narrative or experience is intrinsic to human nature... um, is now what I'm going to talk about. Humans are temporal and thus fallible. I think this is my second time repeating this, but it's true. We always make mistakes and are constantly misdirected by our desires. Um, we live in a society driven by temporal desires where money makers and exploiters dangle an orb of temporal legacy in front of us. Be- and because we can see it and grab it, really, uh, it, because it's immediately gratifying, we grasp for it. But we're still left unhappy. Uh, But then, some of us learn. Some of us take this learning experience, like Augustine and the prodigal son in our lifetime, and they, like, orient their desires to what is eternal and everlasting before they die. But that doesn't always happen. Um, Another aspect of the human experience that points us to living the parable of the prodigal son is the fact that we empathize with underdogs. Yeah, I did a whole 15-minute podcast about this, but I'm going to go through it in four sentences. Um, I talked about this, yeah, then, but it's fine. Um, The reason why we live underdogs is because we are all underdogs in the journey to accept and orient ourselves toward the immaterial. Our human end is to find rest in and orientation to what is eternal, divine, and immaterial. Our soul is immaterial and is the sort of spark of divine light within us. Um, for her soul to find rest and really ultimate celebration, it must become consciously connected with the divine. And this is the kind of cosmological consciousness that comes with practicing a virtue, like practicing the reorientation of desires, ringing any bells. Um, that conscious connection would be awesome and would lead to a great life. Um, but the problem or... It's not the problem, but the obstacle is that we're temporal and fallible and we have the potential to use our free will that was gifted by God in a non-virtuous way. That's the taint of original sin. Uh, Everything circles back here. Um, Original sin is the reason why we are the prodigal son. We have the ability to choose either the eternal and temporal, and to put it simply, the temporal is tempting because it is quantifiable, immediate, and advertised. Um, this just came to me, so bear with me. But um, when you look at a newspaper, you'll see advertisements for a car that is at all-time low prices or an ad for a competition that awards a million dollars for, you know, being able to eat 15 hot dogs. Um, or sometimes, on occasion, there are ads for super high-paying jobs at high-profile companies. What is less common to see, moreover, like you never see in an ad is an ad for salvation and eternal glory. (laughs) 
in fact, that never happens ever. Um, so it's easy and convenient for us to choose the temporal. It's what's being advertised to us. Um, it was what was being advertised to the original prodigal son. It was what was being advertised to Augustine. Temporal legacy and fame and money. What, what more could you want as a temporal being? Um, so, yeah, it's easy and convenient for us to choose the temporal. But at some point, we're all welcome back into God's arms and his ever-forgiving nature. I'm running out of time, but if you look at Genesis, you'll see a biblical episode after biblical episode, you know, that God forgives and continues to forgive. It's just a reoccurring theme. And with that, the gates of heaven were opened to us by who that who Augustine calls the mediator Jesus Christ. Like in the prodigal son parable, and like with Augustine, we can stray far from God, but we can always come back to him, and he welcomes us with open arms and celebration. And this actually just came to me too, but Monica, right before she died, um, Augustine asked, where do you want to be buried? And she said, no place is far from God because she feels that she's, she's going to be with God. And I just thought that was interesting. I think that ties into this kind of nice. Um, but back to here. Obviously, not all of us, not all of us prodigal sons have a vision at Ostia or some sort of spiritual ascent until our deaths, but our natural call and resting in the divine is present always, and our nature as the prodigal son is innate in all of us. The temporal is just too tempting, to put it quite frank. Um, that's kind of all I have for my thesis so far, so I'll definitely have to dive deeper into some of my ideas I laid out here. But this podcast was a great start to get some ideas sorted out. Thank you so much for listening. Um, that's all I have for today's Emmaism podcast. Um, I hope you all enjoyed, and we'll be back next time for a new exploration. Until then, keep searching for the truth.